You're listening to Broken Palisades, a Prime by Cortex miniseries. This show features adult language and depictions of violence, and this should be the last episode where we have weird audio issues. We hope you enjoy the show. So there's crabs running from the sky now, apparently. I mean, like, Michelle, to go over her value statements, the reason why she's not really acting is, in her mind, the strong survive. You know, you got to keep yourself alive here. But also, things are starting to get out of control. And if she doesn't work to regain control of the situation, then the important thing is to survive this encounter. The situation is escalating. They're not moving out of town like she would have hoped. And she has sort of an advantage point by being hidden. So what is some nearby animals around me right now? Are you looking for something large or small? Oh, yes. Uh, well, she's a bit of a hunter. I think she'd probably want to hunt something bigger than something smaller. Yeah, I think that there's a alligator in the streets nearby. This alligator is like actively surprisingly, they have someone in their mouth, but they're not is, is they're not in their mouth in the way that they're like absolutely chewing this person up. They're in their mouth in the way that they are actively carrying this person as they slowly make their way out of town. But I would think then that it makes sense if I pounce from the shadows and get the drop on one of these creatures. Because I am a renowned hunter and the strong survive. All right. So three, 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 one, seven. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend a plot point to add another three so that I add a seven from the D10 and two threes from the D6. So we have six plus seven to get 13 instead of 10. And I'm going to use a D10 uh, effect die. And I have a one here. I do not want to buy the hitch at this time. It's very appetizing. It's a D10, but I do not want to buy the hitch. Can't make me. Now what I will be doing, I'm going to be rolling the swarm against you, which is a 4D6. You're also nauseous right now. So I'm going to roll that D8 against you. And we'll see how this pans out. Ooh, I have two opportunities here. I also have a total of nine, and in fact, I have uh, D6, so this does nothing. I think you're going to be knocking out one of the uh, dice here. I think I'm going to step down my nausea as I'm starting to get back into the groove of things and feel a little better. So I'm going to step down the D8 to a D6. So the mob is now down to a 3D6. So Michelle jumps out from the shadows, spear in hand, her skin still translucent with her... Striking out from the high top, she puts most of the weight into her upper body so that it's mostly going into the spear itself and not into, let's say, her legs or her body. I mean, this is going to hurt no matter what. Let's be real here. I'm jumping out of a tree. But I'd rather put it in my arms because if my legs are damaged, I can't run away later. And I strike down right through that crocodile, um, alligator, whatever. If it's rounded or whatever, the square jaw it's piercing it straight through in a bit of a mess i don't know if, if we might get into too much detail there but it definitely pierces through in my mind i mean it's a mob i think this gator is dead at this point before you pick the next person frankly there are a number of bodies just on the street but now it seems like the mob is like a tidal wave that is receding and as it slowly begins to like leave it's dragging live people with it i should say now with that said Michelle, who do you pick to go next? I'm sorry, who who's already gone? Uh, all the players are available. It's a new round. You were the first player. I guess Mo should go next then, you know. It don't have to. 
<laughs> but I will if you want. So I think with Ronnie, well, with her investigation, if you will, failing and sort of the chaos around her, she noticed the bear and then a familiar figure sort of slide into view. So seeing Zakar over by the bear, I think brings her out of her duteous trance almost. Like this isn't an experiment anymore. This isn't something she should study. There's like, oh shit, somebody she knows and, you know, is in danger. There's real life at stake. And that sort of is like, oh right, there's something happening right now that I should probably pay attention to and take care of. So I think she goes in his direction to try to either help with the bear or mitigate any damage it would do to him. I haven't really figured out what her magic looks like or is. I think part of the reason why she studies it so hard is because she doesn't have a a very good control over it. So it's a bit chaotic and wild, but I think she's going to try to almost send a, a blast towards this bear. Is the bear over Zakar? The uh, bear is basically not like literally on top of uh, Zakar, but Zakar mm-hmm. is like right there and the bear is like unrelenting. Yeah, I think she wants to try to send a, a blast towards the bear to give the car enough space to make distance or get away. Okay. I think she's going to use her prowess on this one. She has archery, which is sort of distance magic, I guess you said earlier. Archery is just our blanket for any projectiles. For our listeners, we are essentially doing magic by just giving magical descriptions to normal skills. And additionally, when we do that, because, you know, magic can still like open the doors for various stuff, right, that you can normally do if you didn't have the right equipment, etc. But uh, we decided that magic was dangerous in this game. And so as a reminder to our players and just so our listeners know, we are following the growing dread special effect limit that's in the Cortex handbook. And basically what that says is ones and twos are hitches. It's a little bit reckless because she doesn't have complete control over her magic. And I don't think her assets really come into... Well, she's inherently mm-hmm. magical. So would that yeah. come into play? Yeah, absolutely. Since, okay. And I'm sorry, what's this look like again? You're sending like a crackling bolt or... It mirrors sort of her binoculars that she has. It's sort of like a kaleidoscope of colors that whoosh out of her her outstretched hand in sort of a a blunt force of color at this bear as she takes a stance and stretches out her hand and hopes that it goes according to plan okay oh shit (laughs) okay Uh, three so that's three twos (laughs) a d6 and a d10 so that's nine Okay, nine in uh, D4 effect die. Yeah. I'm going to buy two of those hitches. I'm going to buy the D8. I'm going to buy the D6. I'm going to translate that to having just three D10 because I'm spending that D6 to do stuff. So you have a nine. You have a D4 effect die. You have hero dice. I do. 
I'm contemplating rolling it just to get above a 10. I think she will. A one. <laughs> okay, so that that gets you to a 10. It does. It gets me yeah. to a 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. So cool, 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 cool. I'm going to roll the swarm, oh. uh, which is now down to the uh, 3d6. Okay, I rolled an opportunity, and I rolled an eight. So you, yeah, you won up. Uh, right. So, but you have a d4 effect when you when we're working against a mob. Mm-hmm. It's not enough to just be successful against a mob in order to knock dice out. You have to beat their die with a good effect die or raise the complication above that. Could I have raised the effect die with a plot point to a d6? Does that work or no? No. Okay. Uh, so what happens here is uh, you're going to inflict a d4 complication to the mob. What do you want to name the complication? Um, I think with the type of magic that she used for this, it's I think it would be blinding. So it's blinded for a period as these colors sort of swirl over and around it Mm. okay i am not going to play against the fact that you're using magic i'm not going to lean into that like magic is dangerous just yet Mm -hmm. before i say what i am going to do once you tell me who's the next player you pick you have ronnie and zakar i think it would only make sense that zakar would go next okay zakar you're going to get whisk up into the air i'm going to spend a d10 for my doom pool oof allows me to split the group oh, no. so as this blinding light comes out of nowhere striking the back of this giant bear just as it's about to maw you uh, you actually get swooped up into the air by a even larger still heron grabbing you by his feet it's talons bearing into your skin immediately you're just whisked up 20 30 40 50 feet into the air above town and seemingly flying toward the gray marsh what do you do oh my god all right normally i'd probably try to like fight my way out of its grasp but if i'm that high up in the air i feel like yeah i don't even know man i think maybe uh wait until i can see like maybe if there's like a tree that's close enough uh under me or something that i could sort of fall into or something like that you said 40 feet in the air though probably not yeah, 50 feet in the air right now. Maybe, like, just try to annoy it enough that it make it, like, land or get closer. Okay. Yeah. What I think that would probably be would be, like, a trick roll to me. It doesn't have any pockets, so I don't think you could use your pickpocket especially. No, but probably not. <laughs> we're going to use your trick roll and then one of your values and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, well, I... um. I got a 14, but I did roll a hitch on a D10. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy that hitch. So give yourself a plot point. I'm going to go ahead and just translate that D10. So technically it gets out of my pool, but I'm going to spin it out of my pool to give you a complication. Ooh, okay. And that complication is going to be a D10 pierced flesh complication. Ouch. Yeah. Then the swarm is going to also roll on top of this. Okay, so it's a four uh, and two opportunities here. Okay, well. How does buying opportunities work again? Anyone can buy opportunities rolled, and you just spend a plot point for each opportunity you want to activate. I kind of want to buy an opportunity for Zakar to have like a big hay bale underneath that he could fall onto. He did enough damage to this bird that he's falling that there's a 
a big pile of hay for him to fall into. Okay. I, I think how that would technically work, 14 beats this by twice. So you have a D8 effect die. So what this can translate to is you use that effect die to create a hay asset or, or something soft for you to land on. And so then with all that said, Maze, if you still wanted to spend a plot point, you would activate an opportunity to make that into a D10. Because basically what this will boil down to is it seems like Zakar is trying to get this heron to fly like lower so he can safely like then drop. If you're going that route, then that's basically going to be you rolling like an endure roll uh, next time you have a, have the chance. You would then use that asset uh, as part of that roll. Yeah, I'll bump it up if that's the goal. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. So did she just use the opportunities from your role, uh, GM? Or are those still there for me if I want? She used one opportunity. Okay. In that case, with the other one, I want to uh, buy down my pierced flesh by one to a D8. Okay. And uh, that, to me, kind of represents that I'm so in the moment and my adrenaline's running that I'm sort of able to ignore the pain a little bit. So I'm not really feeling the full effect of the injury. Okay, sure. And then uh, in terms of my success, yeah, so I'm like trying to like wriggle around and like just be an annoyance to try to get the uh, bird to fly lower. And uh, it ends up sort of like really tightening its claws around me and I get scratched by one of its talons. I feel like since I succeeded that it does start uh, falling down more. And then I w- what what was the actual name of the uh, opportunity again? So it was suggested like haystack, but whatever soft. Soft landing. Soft landing. Oh, yeah, we can just call it soft landing. Okay, cool. Could it be maybe that the uh, heron flies low enough that maybe I can just like fall into the mud or something and that'll. Yeah, into the mud of the marsh. Or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, we could do that. So we'll deal with that here in a second. Before we bring this action order to a close, uh, we do have Ronnie still, and then we're actually going to take this out of the action order, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Ronnie, you're up. What would you like to do? I think this is strange for Ronnie, but she sees that Maze apparently wants this person to be okay, so she's going to go over it. Well, actually, how far away is the car at this point? Zakar? Uh, Zakar is a couple miles southwest. Oh, miles. Never mind. Yeah. She's not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, just a little, like, within, you know, eyesight still. What creatures are around us still? Uh, you have the, the giant bear is the giant threat here. You still have crabs and rats and rabbits, all sort of uh, critters from the marsh. And again, they're all, like... At this point, they have stopped killing people and seem to just be collecting people to slowly drag out of the town. Okay, I think Ronnie would go over to whoever is closest, like mm. whatever person she sees is getting dragged away, and just try to slash at that creature. Oof. Okay, I got a hitch with my D10. I'm not going to be buying that, but it looks like you have a 9 in the DA effect. I'm going to go ahead and roll my defensive here. So let's see how this pans out. They did roll a hitch, but not on that specifically. I think what this looks like with me rolling just a 6 is you have a 
swarm of crabs crawling over this uh, poor sap whose shop is right next door. And he says, I hate crabs. This is the worst day of my life. Uh, and yeah, you begin to cut through those crabs and free him. And he scrambles in barely so much as a thank you as he races in to the shop here. And we're going to take this out of the action order to kind of get a pulse everywhere. I do want to zoom in on Michelle. Then we'll talk about what's happening with Zakar. And then we'll circle back to Maze and Michelle, or Maze and Ronnie here. Uh, so Michelle, uh, you have slain this alligator before it can carry away this poor unsuspecting person who crawls out of his mouth and just bolts for it. The town square itself has still a lot of screaming, quite a few bodies, but it seems like a lot of people have managed to escape safely into their homes. Uh, with that said, you are currently right next to that flaming wagon that Zakhar was in seemingly moments ago. You have lost your bounty, and there's only one obstacle before you. I think one of the creatures here is basically an elk. It's the only elk, infected elk, that you've seen. It is kind of staring you down a good 30 feet away. You're not quite sure if it's looking to gun for you or if it's trying to bolt past you. Uh, either way, it seems like it's going to do so aggressively. What do you do? I'm the strong, silent type. So I'm not going to talk with my words. I mean, it's an elk, right? I mean, what am I going to say to it? I don't even know what elks say. I mean, maybe they make meh nouns. I don't know. But the point is, I'm going to stare it down. I don't know why I'm squinting my eyes in real life. This is an audio, audio thing. But I'm going to stare it down, keep my spear up. And I'm going to just get into a big stance and I'm going to just try to look bigger than it, more aggressive than it. I'm going to try to scare this thing into backing down. Okay. It sounds like we have a stare down contest. I want you to go ahead and put together a pool for this contest. Prowess sounds like it makes sense. Uh, the strong survive. Now I'm trying to scare them. So what's scare? Maybe steal. Uh, steal is more like your own like personal reserve that's more that's more for like a defensive like something trying to scare me thing uh so if you're trying to steal yourself to not get scared yourself that's fine uh you can roll that but commands more for the intimidation route and also just to explain because that must sound like a weird statement s-t-e-e-l for the because i mean steel is in the metal but okay so command makes sense to me so we get a three a seven and a nine so we have 16 with a D6 effect. I think they are going to roll against you. It's not going to look pretty. They're going to roll your nausea against you. I'm going to spend a D10 from the Doom pool since that's just been piling up. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. Okay, one opportunity, bunch of fours. The total here is a whopping six. So first and foremost, you have a D6 hero die since uh, that's the highest rolling die available. Why don't you describe your success here? So we're staring each other down on this hellscape with an orange backlit sky. They zoom in on our eyes, then to my spear. You know, you're screaming in the background, but the sounds aren't affecting us. It considers making a dart towards me, moves one of its hooves, but then moves it back. I squint my eyes further, and then it turns around and runs the other way. We cut over to the skies. At this point, the sun has set. The night sky is a normal color, no longer that blood orange. And we see the speck that is a car 
in the air right now. As a car at this point, you wanted to essentially provoke it letting go of you so you can attempt a fall. Now that it's lowered itself, I would say you've managed to lower it to like 20 feet above the ground here. You find yourself toward the top of the marshes here where, you know, if you hit the water just right or some of that softer earth, uh, you might actually survive this fall. You're going to roll for it. This is going to be an indoor check. and You're going to just roll against the basic doom pool. Sounds good. Okay, so endure. Also, I'll be rolling your pierced flesh against you. But of course. Before I forget, Michelle, uh, your nausea is gone. You can just remove that complication. With regards to Zakar, uh, don't forget you have an asset at play here. Right now, you're looking at a math, man, 14. You're looking at 14 right now. Okay, was it a D? It was a D10, I think, your asset. 10. Oh, nice. Cool. I'll take it, man. All right, let's see what I get. Oof. I get, so it's an 11 with a D10 complication, or, or with a D10 hitch, I mean. But I think I want to try to add my D10 hero die to this, so I'm going to spend my plot point to add in another D10. Okay. All right, so let me go ahead and roll that D10. Three. So, no, I just tie with you, unfortunately. What's your effect die here? Is it just going to be the D6? Because I think effect die is going to matter for this. Yeah, I, I think it has to be the D6 since I used all the other ones. And my effect die is the D10. So, yeah, I think your pierced flesh complication, which is currently sitting at a D8, is going to go up to a D10. This is now going to translate into, like, your, your flesh is still pierced, but that's no longer the real issue. The real issue now is that as you fall into the marsh here, you're still conscious. You're kind of going in and out. You can hear the caw of the heron above you, but it doesn't seem to be swooping down for you again as you're in these murky waters. You heard something break. I will let you pick the limb. Oh, gosh. I'm going to say my leg. My right leg, we'll say. Okay. Oh. It pains you to dig yourself out of the water. The waters of the marsh this close to town aren't too deep. It typically averages maybe two feet deep. But still, it pains you nevertheless to get yourself out of that so you don't drown in this. And it's at this point, as your vision is like in and out, that you catch a glance of the night skies. And we cut back to Maze and Ronnie. The creatures are leaving the streets here. It is now just the two of you. Uh, you have the dead around you. You have people peering cautiously out their windows. You have one person screaming in pain, clutching their lower leg. Uh, you can see bone exposed there. What do you do? Oh, my. <laughs> Ronnie takes more time than necessary, holding her sword out, waiting for something to attack her. I think... I think Maze, she addresses the immediate, most glaring thing right away, the, the person in pain. You know, she's been around enough injured people. She's injured herself enough to sort of know and not really understanding anything else that's going on at the moment. I think she latches onto that and runs over to the person to occupy her mind from what just transpired. The person with the broken leg and the... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what about uh, Ronnie here? I think Ronnie for now is just sticking close to Maze because 
she would like to get inside and away from all of this, but she doesn't want to leave Maze by herself. Maze, you approach this person. It's a familiar face. A baby-faced, middle-aged man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't make the rules here. <laughs> it's the mud water it just makes you seem youthful. That's what the, the, our spa here is for. <laughs> the, the mud spa. Middle-aged man named Tig. He runs a small toy shop that has been across the street and a couple doors down to the left of your place for as long as you've had your place, even longer. Tig, you've always known him as a very solitary gentleman who actually just makes the toys and does kind of like the back of the house business. His husband is the one who typically like runs the front of the shop trying to sell said toys. Right now, his wound is egregious. He is howling in pain. He doesn't even realize you coming to his side right now. She rips off part of her shirt, her kind of stained shirt at this point, to try to bandage the wound and staunch the bleeding a little bit. She gets into this sort of mindset, sort of meditative where everything else sort of around her phases out as she's very concentrated on this task to block out distractions is sort of one of the the things that she's very good at. I think she's recalling information on how to staunch wounds and, and maybe her books that she's read and maybe never practiced, but she's seen plenty of diagrams. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and have you make a roll here. Are you actually using just classic medical skills or are you using magic? Oh, man. <laughs> I think she's just going to use classic medical skills right now. She only uses her magic in situations where, like, instinctual high adrenaline situations, she hasn't gotten enough control to use it in finesse situations yet. So she doesn't try to do it for anything that would require minute detail or, or concentration in that regard. Okay, cool. Would this be... Uh, the difficulty you're looking at is uh, 11. In terms of applying like medical skills, Yeah, we kind of have some flexibility here with this particular skill list. Mm -hmm. um, but generally speaking, it's, it's going to be treat. Okay, I was going... Yeah, that's not trick-or-treat. <laughs> No, that's not trick or treat. So it's going to be treats. Now, if you want to like go for like an unusual way to treat a wound, since this is a pretty straightforward wound, mm -hmm. I could see maybe using recall or. Yeah, I think I was going to try to vie for using recall because she's read all these books. She maybe um, has read war books and doing triage on a battlefield and has seen diagrams of different wounds and things. So using that knowledge and trying to apply it, her studious nature. And I think this would be survival for her other one. I don't think any of her assets really, because she's not using magic. So. Oh, just to be clear for listeners, we have the survival value, but we also have a survive skill. Uh, it's two different things. I just realized that. But uh, yeah, if you want to use recall, perfectly fine. I will say that in terms of recall versus treat for this scenario, mm -hmm. 
with you trying to use like this different approach to treating this wound, you could potentially make that wound worse for that person. Whereas just feeling a treat roll just means they don't get better. Oh, I'll put it that way. So you're more than welcome to use recall. Well, maybe then instead of studio, she'll use reckless. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, because one of her things is is knowledge over people. So this is sort of a, a test, I guess, for her to use the knowledge that she has. Sure. So it kind of goes with. That's a 10 uh, with a hitch. I will not buy that hitch. But what I will say is my difficulty that was set was 11. Mm-hmm. I think what happens here, he groans, he waves you off. He's, oh, please, just just get my husband. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? Oh, And uh, yeah, I think what happens here. Yeah, you're, you're pretty sure that, that there wasn't a smell just a moment ago with regards to this wound, and now there is. Oh. Uh, <laughs> in addition, uh, I will be spending a die from my doom pool is going to be a d10. Now we talked about this before off screen. Uh, magic is not only dangerous to use, but it attracts certain attention from otherworldly beings. As you're dealing with this, perhaps getting up to get said husband, you look into the glass of this tour shop where there's kind of like this display and everything to see if his husband's there. You see your reflection behind you, perhaps like several feet behind, you see this kind of gaseous figure that doesn't quite have form. When you look behind you, you don't see such a figure. This is going to translate into a D10 complication for you. Basically, these otherworldly beings can sometimes catch the scent of someone using magic. They will kind of slowly hunt uh, that person. Now, in terms of narratively, you can, of course, uh, try to lose the trail, lose the scent, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanically, you can treat this as you can any other complications. Uh, so when it comes to complications, you can make a sort of recovery roll, so long as it makes sense, so long as you have the proper tools, etc., etc., and potentially get rid of it. Now, this complication is, yeah, that's perfect. Eldritch magic sense. <laughs> Uh, or I, I guess more more specifically stink, right? Because you're you're the oh, one that yeah yeah you're, yeah <laughs> Eldritch magic stink. We haven't discussed like what that actually looks like to lose that stench, but that's something we can world build as is. We're going to cut over to Michelle as we start bringing this to a close. Michelle, you find yourself largely alone in the streets. The only other people here in sight that haven't already vacated, that's still alive, are the guards of the warlord Kyug. They are currently taking stock of what's left of their inventory. As you recall, their wagon caught ablaze earlier. This fire has since gone out, and uh, they are just talking about tailing it to Kazimir, the nearby city where the warlord Kyug has their seat of power. Yeah, I'd be talking about that too if I was in their situation. <laughs> You just come out to a small town and the apocalypse happens. I, you know, I'm not sure what Michelle would be doing in this situation. It's kind of everything went turntable, sideways, uh, pear-shaped. Would she report back to the person that hired her? Oh, good suggestion. Yeah, that would make sense. Why don't I go find the person who hired me and just sort of say, like, I'm not even sure 
if they're still alive like not the person i hired but i'm like i'm hunting this well actually no i should see if the person who hired me is even still alive because i may not even get paid if they died in this attack that would be very unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> it's like i find the crook and it's like oh you were eaten by an alligator and an elk well <laughs> yeah your rabbit food pretty useless i think where we leave off then is a shot of michelle like a, i would say like an overhead shot of michelle uh walking away from the uh carnage here uh to go look for their employer and report back and slowly like zooming out actually i would say our final shot is before we cut the credits is actually a very zoomed in shot of zakar's face zakar you're still in and out your eyes are kind of fluttering here your head is dizzy your leg is in pain and something is dragging you through the murk of gray marsh bum, bum, bum. zakar was played by jt oh my god all right ronnie was played by laura she doesn't want to leave Maze by herself. Maze was played by Mo Skell. One of her things is is knowledge over people. And Michelle was played by Kamala. It's like I find the crook and it's like, oh, you were eaten by an alligator and an elk. Well, and I'm Kirby. I've been your guide through the Broken Palisades. You can follow the latest with Prime by Cortex by checking out any of the links in the show notes. We'll see you next time.